It's time for Dima Live, the number one radio show in the private service industry. Dima Live is a radio show that allows private service professionals to discuss topics that pertain to their industry. Now, here are your hosts, Dima National President Matthew Hack and private service professional DJ Haverkamp. Hello and welcome back to another edition of Dima Live. Dima Live is a radio show intended to bring private service professionals, product suppliers, principals, and recruitment agencies together to discuss topics of interest to the high net worth service industry. Dima Live is produced by the Domestic Estate Management Association, a professional trade association with a mission to serve those that serve others. Our website is www.domesticmanagers.com. For our live listeners, you can log into blogtalkradio.com website and to submit your questions online. You can also text questions to 313-404-3998. Once again, that number to text your questions to is 313-404-3998. My name is Matthew Hack, and I am the president of the Domestic Estate Management Association, and I'll be your host today. I'm also going to be joined by DJ Haverkamp, my co-host, a private service professional based in the New York area. We're very excited to have as our guest today, Donna Shannon of the Personal Touch Career Services. Donna is a longtime DEMA member and recipient of the Educator of the Year Award at the 2014 DEMA National Convention. We're also very excited that Donna will be speaking at this year's national convention, but we'll touch on that more later in the show. DJ and I know that many of our listeners are brushing up their resumes in preparation for the career day at this year's convention. As such, we thought it'd be a great idea to get a few tips and a few minutes with Donna to get her suggestions on how our listeners can get their resumes in tip-top shape for that convention, for that career day. I also want to take a moment to thank all of you who've been leaving comments on the Blog Talk Radio website. This will be the 35th episode of DEMA Live. We're beginning to build a nice archive of guests and topics since the show has begun. We greatly appreciate the comments and feedback we've been getting about the show. Keep them coming. With that, let me go ahead and welcome DJ. DJ, welcome to the show. Hi, Matt. Thanks, uh, thanks, to, uh, thanks for the opportunity to be here again this week. No, no problem. I uh, love having you on the show and uh, sitting along my side here to, uh, to help give a, a personal perspective from a private service perspective. And um, we're, uh, we're heading into a, a new week. So how was, uh, how was last week? Any, any new tips or updates? <laughs> well, you know, the thing I've been thinking about this week, Matt, is the Olympics. Uh, the opening ceremony of the Olympics is going to be this Friday evening down in Rio. And I've always been inspired by the Olympics and the Olympic movement. But the thing that really I always think about is the athletes that are going to be there competing have been working hard for the past three or four or five or 10 years to get ready for the Olympics. And that always inspires me because the work that they're doing, they did all those push-ups and all those running and all the things that they did to get ready Nobody was there rooting for them. Nobody was there cheering them on. They were just in it working to get ready, and they had a goal. And I find that very inspiring. And I think for folks who work in private service, the same thing really is true. We we should always kind of take that same Olympic spirit and have a goal, have a destination, but realize that you just have to put in a lot of hard work and do all the preparations for the payoff that will come in the future. So I'm really looking forward to the Olympics this next couple of weeks. 
Well, I think that that's that's a, a very uh, good perspective, and and I think that that makes a lot of sense. Um, obviously, having our guest on the show, I think she's going to be able to elaborate a little bit on that. So, with that being said, Donna, how are you today? I'm doing fine. How are you, Matt? Doing good. Thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be on uh, Dima Live today. We really appreciate that. And what I was getting at with that last statement there, Donna, was that, you know, I think uh, a lot of us work really hard at different things. And maybe your job wasn't in private service, but luckily we have uh, someone like you around to uh, to help those people that um, are looking to have a, make it a transition into the private service industry or Maybe they're just making uh, a job change uh, from from one position to another position. And having someone like yourself there for our members to be able to reach out to and make sure that their resumes make that transition the, the appropriate way is a huge asset. So with that being said, Donna, we always start our show by having you guys introduce and talk a little bit about yourself. So can you go ahead and give us an update on, on uh, how your business is going and, and let us know what uh, – the personal touch career services can provide for our membership. Sure. So one of the things that I think is helpful is to understand a bit of my own background. So I come from the world of human resources and recruiting. I was a corporate recruiter for just about eight years. And I really started teaching job searching classes back in 2004, basically because I was tired of having to cut so many qualified applicants just because they didn't know how the process worked. So in 2005, that's when I joined uh, Starkey International School for Household Management here in Denver. I worked in the placement department, so I rewrote all the resumes for the graduating students. I coached them through the recruitment process and really helped guide them through that whole transition into private service because the vast majority of them had no experience in the industry whatsoever. So when I left there, I continued to work with job seekers um, and have done so across the country and some abroad. I've been doing my business full-time since 2011, and now we have three staff writers in addition to myself. And, of course, we work with private service professionals, but we also help with traditional business roles too. Excellent. I think that that's extremely important, uh, what you guys are doing over there uh, at the Personal Touch Career Services. So um, with that being said, Donna, one of the, uh, you'll probably get a kick out of this when we, uh, when I, at my last job prior to uh, stepping into the DEMA role, um, I used to have to write for, uh, for the company that I was at when we had a new member that would come in or a new employee. And I had a gentleman that came in. He was a young, uh, young kid and uh, he was a pizza uh, pizza boy. He used to deliver pizzas uh-huh. and he came in and he said, Matt, listen, I, I don't have any experience. My resume is very short, but I need to put together a bio on for the website. So I ended up taking that and uh, I took him from a, a pizza delivery boy and turned him into a delivery specialist. So uh, right. <laughs> you can, you can definitely tweak things on your resume, right? To make them look a little bit stronger. So um, we always got a kick out of that, but we have um, we've gotten a lot of calls uh, at national chapter um, or at the national office from individuals seeking advice uh, regarding finding a position in private service. And um, one of the first things that they always ask is number one, uh, is it you know do I need to go to a school? And uh, and I always tell them the first thing that they should do is reach out to you uh, and have your resume. Uh, have you review their resume? Because I think that that's the most important piece that anyone can present, especially when 
that's the first thing people are looking at um, about an individual is their resume. So what are some of the things that our listeners should be thinking about as they polish up their resumes? Sure. So first and foremost, private service resumes are very different than their corporate counterparts. So some of the rules that we hear for like a corporate resume is like, you know, never go over two pages. It's only going to be read in 30 seconds. You need to focus on all the keywords and, and things along those lines. And private service, the whole evaluation process is different. So by the time the resume hits the employer's hands, for example, they tend to read over these things with a fine-tooth comb because they want to understand who the people are before they, you know, invite them into their residence. So when these private service resumes, number one, we have to give some insight into the personality. I almost include like a mini bio within the resume itself. So in a corporate resume, you might have a summary paragraph that's three or four sentences. On our profiles, we usually do two or three paragraphs, and we write in first person, so it has that warm tone to it. Um, another thing that could be different with private service is things like hobbies or interests and personal experience can be just as important as professional experience. So, for example, in the corporate world, I don't care if you're a skiing enthusiast unless I own a skiing company. However, if I'm hiring a household manager for my home up in Aspen, knowing somebody who's a skiing enthusiast and understands the culture around that is more appealing to me because there's somebody who recognizes some of my values. Uh, so another thing, the two-page rule doesn't apply in private service. It needs to be long enough to cover your entire career. So corporate resumes, too, also tend to focus on the last 10 to 15 years, but in private service, we want to know your entire history because we want to understand that story. How did you get to where you are today? And the other thing, it has to be focused on what the employers care about. Corporate resumes, we want to see metrics, right, your sales figures, what were your achievements and things like that. Private service, the achievements have to relate to what the employers care about. They don't care about your sales figures because you're not selling anything for them. Uh, also, the other thing and final point is that they have to be agency friendly. So all agencies need to do changes to the resume, even if it's nothing more than taking off your contact information because the employers, they want them to contact you through the agency, of course. If the formatting is very complex or if it's in a PDF form only, the agencies are going to have a harder time dealing with that and sometimes the candidate's information that's easiest to manipulate will get sent to the employers more often. Excellent. I think that's that's awesome advice, especially about the PDF piece, um, making sure that the, the agencies can make the changes uh, quickly and, and easily. So that's uh, really good advice. One question that I would have, Donna, is um, I found it extremely interesting that you, you focus so much on uh, on the actual personality of the individual. I know uh, from experiences in the past that, that we've seen that, you know, obviously in the corporate world, like you said, people aren't going to hire you based upon your personality, but it really truly does play a huge difference and a huge role in private service as far as the personality goes, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, 
both from talking with candidates and from when I did recruitment, the number one thing that I hear from people is, I am flexible about the job, I can work with the money, I can go anywhere across the country. What matters the most is that it has to be the right match. And if they aren't getting any sense for who you are as a person, how can they determine if you're the right match for their household? Yeah, that's that's really interesting, Donna, because in many ways, it's in in private service, it is almost like a matchmaking service as much as it is an employment agency because you are making those kind of matches. But I was curious. I know a lot of our folks who might be listening are probably preparing resumes for couple of different scenarios and I would be curious to know if you think that someone who is working up a resume to pass out to say just general agencies say at the career fair here at the end of the month versus someone who's making a resume to apply to a specific position should those be crafted differently or how would you work with a scenario where you were applying for a specific position so here's where I've got a specific point of view because of the unique nature of our industry, the case for a customized resume is pretty minimal. So I would only do this for a job that's posted, say, for example, on like estate jobs or even on a company's website, and you can tell it's directly for the principal or through their family office. When you're applying to a job through an agency, whether it's at the career fair or whether it's just one of the jobs they have on their website, um, they may decide that you're not a right fit for this particular job, but you're now part of their stable of candidates, and they want to consider you for other positions. If the resume is too tailored, they may struggle seeing how you can fit into other uh, jobs, for example. Mm -hmm. That's great advice. So if somebody were putting together a general resume to submit to one of the agencies, what, what advice would you give them? So this is the, where the idea of coming up with a brand really gets introduced. So as we know, personality and understanding who you are as well as your experience and abilities matters a lot. So this whole idea of having a clear brand, this really means how do you stand out and be different from the other applicants, right? What are your very best strengths, abilities, as well as your experience? Think about what do you have to offer an employer and who you actually are, so there's personality beyond just the facts. When those are being conveyed in a clear manner, you're going to have better success, and the agencies are going to be able to remember you better after the conference is over. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, earlier in the show, you mentioned that the, the traditional idea of using a one-page or two-page resume is, is something that's maybe not quite as fitting for folks who work in private service, if I was trying to demonstrate my skill set and to sort of um, demonstrate the abilities or strengths that I would have for, uh, to offer to a position, what would be some of the things that you would include? Would you, would you have a cover letter? Would you have a picture with your resume? Um, would you have like a, maybe a, an, a, an emotion assessment or, a, a, you know, the assessments that they do to uh, kind of uh, what what do they call them? Um, uh, personality. Like the personality test. Yeah. 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 Would you include something like that in a resume? That's a possibility. So I do want to be very clear about this whole one-page resume rule, because I still hear people 
contacting me both in and out of private service who ask about that. So the one-page resume died fit more than 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's true for the corporate world as well. So when everything went to these online recruiting, such as Monster, Indeed, Career Builder, those kind of sites, um, what happens is when the candidate applied online, the resume would often get dropped to text, and now it's going on to two pages anyways. So when people were sacrificing information to get it onto the one page, it didn't really matter. So they also had to have the necessary keywords to pass through a screening, and it's not possible to do that on a one-page resume. Uh, there are a number of agencies who are using more of these online application systems as well, so we need to make sure we're catching the keywords for them too. So in private service, it's not unusual to go over into three or four pages since we do need to capture that entire career, and then we have like that mini bio in there. And by the way, most executive resumes are going to be three or four pages. So mm-hmm. if you think about it, an estate manager is the executive of the estate so it's not that far out of the corporate norm to have the three or four page resume. Mm-hmm. So with the pictures issue, I do put pictures on the resume because agencies will almost always ask for one. Cover letters are crucial, but it's important to understand that the audience is going to change, especially if you're dealing with an agency. So When an agency passes on a resume to the employers, most of the time they do not forward the cover letter. So that um, the cover letter itself is written for the agency, not necessarily the employer. This way you can customize your cover letter for each and every job. Uh, You can also put things in there that the agency would care about, such as I'm looking for relocation on the East Coast in Florida. My target salary is between 100 to 150,000 with consideration for benefits and stuff like that. You wouldn't necessarily send that to directly an employer, but agencies need to know those kinds of things. Mhm. Yeah. I think that's really good advice and especially for folks who are looking to build out their resume like our young pizza delivery man. It's very oftentimes that we can do things for our careers that are not things that we've done as for an employer, but the we've coursework that we've taken or uh, other things, maybe an article that was written in the paper or something that we could add. And I know that building up all of those items is kind of referred to as the CV. I don't know if you've heard mm-hmm. that term, the curriculum vitae. And mm-hmm. I guess basically that's uh, kind of what we're building the, uh, the way a, a chief executive officer or someone who's applying for a position like that, just kind of showing their whole portfolio of work. I think, would you even like put in like, let's say you've done work with landscaping or maybe maybe table settings. If you had a really wonderful table setup that you've prepared or or wonderful menu that you put together, would you ever include anything like that in a, in a CV or something like that? So if you wanted to include like some samples of your work, like for example, uh, Times for Chefs will do a portfolio that goes along with the resume. Um, Sometimes we'll embed pictures within the resume itself, so like pictures of their food and things along those lines. But what's nice about doing the portfolio on the side is that you can choose when you want to send it and not. And we've done some portfolios. I did one for a chef that was, oh, man, it was like a book of her sample menus along with pictures and descriptions. I think the whole thing ended up being like, 15 or 20 pages on the portfolio alone. 
so that's kind of like in the extreme. I don't always do that for all clients, but it's a good thing to have. And the other things that you can include in that portfolio, we'll see this for nannies a lot of times as well, that they have the personality assessments. They have their letters of recommendation. They have samples of you know their philosophy with child care and things along these lines. So you know, the CV itself, uh, sometimes people get confused with that term. In Europe... The CV is more like the resume, but the format is a lot more scaled down, right? We're more descriptive in the U.S. So a CV, a real CV here in the States, that's for um, like writers, government officials, people in academia, or high-level medical positions such as surgeons. Um, And then their bodies of work will be like their published works, and then you've got that in the official AMA or APA format and those things along those lines. So that could be a bit of overkill for a private service person. Now, if you wanted to include in your portfolio, like, for example, you were written up in a local magazine about, you know, I know that there's one of our members in DEMA who got a very lovely write-up about, you know, the best butler in town. So that would be an awesome article to have scanned in there and send as part of the portfolio. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Does that That's, make sense? The, the, yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And the, and the reason that it makes perfect sense is because it must be lunchtime. And as soon as you were talking about that chef that had pictures of their uh, <laughs> of their of all their recipes, mm-hmm. I immediately was like, okay, so if I ever have to hire a chef, I can't do it uh, before I'd eaten my lunch. So um, that makes perfect sense on why you would uh, include all of those items. And I'm sure that you have seen uh, a few resumes in your time. Is that correct, Donna? Yeah, yeah. Now, let me backtrack just one moment. If we're going to talk about pictures, be very careful if you're taking pictures of the estate. Because as a estate manager, sometimes, you know, it's like, oh, we want to show off that we did this thing. It's like, no, because you still have to maintain your employer's confidentiality. Absolutely. Chefs have that advantage because they're, you know, they can zero in and picture the food. Uh, If you want to show a remodeling project, uh, you, you need to make sure that you either have your principal's permission or that you're showing it from, like, a general construction-type project. Right. Just, just to be sure. Just, you know, we always want to okay. keep in mind the principal's, you know, whole idea. So. All right, excellent. So anyway. photo, photos of chefs, uh, of chef's food, good. Uh, photos of managing a project, maybe not so good. Right, just like you wouldn't submit pictures of the children, Exactly. Unless you had right. explicit so Things that you would permission. think are common sense. Right. I've seen crazy <laughs> things. I have. Uh, well, that's good because that leads directly into my next question, which is what are some of the common mistakes that you've seen uh, when, uh, when taking care of uh, people's resumes? Well, I actually saw one yesterday where the person had put the wrong phone number on his resume. Oh, he had gotten no. his he cut his phone number off by one digit. So I called him and the person's like, oh, no, this isn't that guy. I'm like, oh, maybe I misdialed it. I call it again. And the guy's like, nope, still not him. And I go, oh, I'm sorry. This number's on a resume. He's all like, oh, are you hiring? I'm like, no. <laughs> trying to tell him he's got mistakes on his resume. So um, anyway, so that, that is often, you know, 
definitely a very extreme error. But some of the other things we see, it's, it, it pains me to say, but spelling and grammar and then having a consistent voice. So, you know, and like one of the number one offenders is principal versus principal. So here's a quick trick to remember that. So a principal ending P-L-E, that's like a belief or a guiding vision, right? A principal, P-A-L at the end, that's a human being. So way back in elementary school, I learned it as your principal is a prince of a pal. So don't ever make that mistake. It's, It's a glaring mistake. Um, the other thing is being too minimal in their descriptions. I just w- did one with a client, and under his work experience, he said, drove charter buses, right, or gave tours. Uh, wait a minute. You're not pointing out that you're giving people you're, – you're meeting with people from seven countries while you're doing this event management and dealing with seven different languages, Right. We need to understand more to really understand what you're doing in these positions. Um, I've seen a lot of bad formatting, like really ugly resumes. And your resume is a sample of your work. And in this industry where presentation matters, you need to be presented properly on paper. And if it's not relevant to the target job, like you're using your salesperson resume to apply for private service, it's not going to work. It has to be about this industry. Well, I think that those are all extremely uh, valid points. And I want to point out, you know, one of the things that I always tell a new member whenever they join the association is they always say to me, what's the first thing that I can do in trying to find a new position? Or if they are, you know, if they've been in a position and they're looking to make a change, what's the number one thing that you can do, Matt? And I always tell them um, the number one thing is to call Donna and have her look at your resume, because I think that it is so valid, uh, such a valid point that that's the first thing that anyone is going to see of that particular candidate is their resume. I don't care, you know, how you, how you slice and dice it nine times out of 10, unless that person runs into the principal at a you know particular uh, special event, the first thing they're going to see is that resume. So can you talk a little bit about what a resume advisor does um, and, and how that process works? Sure, sure. So, you know, first of all, it always helps to have somebody else look it over. You know, in particular, I find a lot of private service people have a hard time writing about themselves, especially when it comes to thinking about the achievements in their job. So part of our process is that we do a pretty in-depth interview to capture that resume data. So we actually guide them through their work history while we're listening for the details that really matter. So yeah, many people have a hard time realizing the details of their work. So for example, if I'm going through someone's work history and they say, okay, I was a household manager and I managed their home. It's like, all right, well, how big was the property? Oh, it was 20,000 square feet all right, uh, what else did you do? Oh, I looked after the staff. Okay, what kind of staff members did we have? Oh, we had five. It's like, all right, uh, was this property uh, a historic property? Did you do any remodeling, things like this? And and just really get into those details that because it's so much of their daily life, they don't stop and think about these are the things that matter, right? 
How many times have we said, oh, my job's just a little cooking and a little cleaning? It's like, yeah, but you're preparing a gourmet meal three nights a week, and you're cleaning a 15,000-square-foot home, leading a team of three housekeepers. That's not just a little cooking and cleaning, okay? (laughs) And uh, employers need to understand that, so we need to know those details. Uh, The other thing we do is we have a questionnaire that has a pretty intense skills assessment on it. It's just like a checkboard, so the people just go through it and they check the things that they have. And it's a great exercise for people to realize both the skills they already have that they didn't realize were of value, as well as recognize some areas that they might want to improve if they wanted to take their career in a different direction. Yeah, and that really relates to what I was saying earlier about the Olympics, how that it working in private service because of the nature of what we do, it really is kind of a diverse set of skills that one needs to develop to be successful. And mm-hmm. I think, it, you know, life is not just your resume. It's really about who you are on the inside. And that's something that you work on and you build all the time and you really develop the skills that you need to be successful in private service. But, you know, I want to ask Donna, sometimes when we work in private service, these jobs descriptions are just seem like that the the expectations are just way, way out there as far as the having a stellar record and having excellent references. What if a person has made a mistake in their career or what if they've been fired or how, how do you how do you deal with that when you're working with your resume? Do you have any suggestions on that? So. First and foremost, I do believe in being honest. Now, uh, there are some agencies out there who like to see the reason for leaving on each one of the jobs. The vast majority of them don't, but there are a couple who like to see that. And if I had to deal with a firing situation on a resume and I was required to put in a reason for leaving, I may say something like, um, I wouldn't say personality conflict because that that's bad, but, you know, uh, no longer needed for the position. Then when it comes time when you're actually speaking to the recruiter, point out the details of what happened. Because you want to disclose anything that's in your past that you know is going to show up either on a background check or an employment verification. So you need to say it before they run it. So sometimes recruiters will ask. I know I always asked was, is there anything on your background that I should be aware of before I run this test? And then if they said, well, you know what, I had to take a bankruptcy five years ago, or you know what, I was fired from this position, but here's what I learned from that. I would be a lot more receptive to dealing with someone's history if they were honest with me versus, okay, I ran the background check, I found all those problems on it. Now I have to go, why were you lying? Why were you hiding? Mm -hmm. Yeah. you know, we're human beings. Stuff happens. But when we can focus on what did we learn from that situation and being honest about it, that speaks to our character. And that is something that people can accept. Well, I'll tell you something that I can accept, Donna, and that's that you're going to be at our career day um, at, a, at in our DEMA event, uh, our convention, national convention coming up on the 26th. Of, uh, of this month. Uh, we're less than, uh, less than a month away from that. Uh, this will be our fifth national convention and it's shaping up to be our best ever. Uh, early bird registration did end back on the 30th of June, but you can still register. 
There's several staffing mm-hmm. agencies that are, are attending and are offering help with a discounted registration. I believe that uh, I, I even believe that, that you're doing that with some of your candidates uh, right now, Donna. So uh, if people are interested in registering and getting a discount, reach out to Donna. Uh, she'll give you a little bit of a discount code and you'll be able to get that early bird price still. Uh, the dates of the convention yeah. are August 26th through the 28th in Scottsdale, Arizona. And you can get more information and register to attend at the DEMA Convention website, which is demaconvention.com, www.demaconvention.com. And uh, we're really excited to have you participating uh, again this year with the convention, Donna. You always bring uh, so much wisdom and advice. So um, we really appreciate you taking time to come to the, to the national convention and meet uh, with a lot of our private service professional members. Yeah, I'm looking forward to being there again. And I'm sure that one of the things that you will be talking about uh, this year um, when when you're at convention is um, uh, what ha- how, how important a good first impression is. And a lot of people that are coming to convention this year for the first time, um, you know, they get to do a lot of interaction with agencies that maybe they've only met through their CVs or their resumes and Mm -hmm. being at career day allows them to actually do a face-to-face with a lot of agencies from all over the country. So what's your, uh, what's your tip on how to get ready for something like that? So first and foremost, you got to dress appropriately. I I know that it's Friday. It's not like uh, as intense as the other days that I can mention, but man, you are at a job interview. So you need to look the part, um, especially if it's somebody that you feel really familiar with because you've exchanged a lot of phone calls, emails. That's no reason to go casual. Also, you want to have multiple copies of your resume so that you can leave them with the agencies. Uh, even if they already have one of your resumes on file, just make sure old school rules so we've got the nice resume paper to help carry through on that nice presentation. Excellent. And and what's your what's your thoughts regarding how should the candidates proceed on on that Friday when they are interacting uh, with the with the actual agencies? How should they how should they act? How should they follow up? What are the steps that you recommend for for that? So first and foremost, plan on speaking to everybody and you can ask about who are their ideal candidates, because some agencies are more flexible about working with people with less experience than others. So it's good to know kind of what their standards are. Um, actually, if you sign up for my e-newsletter on my website, I have a ebook that you can get that talks about uh, private service agencies. Uh, you also want to gather their business cards. Be sure to follow up with them by email as soon as the conference is over. Don't focus on just the jobs that they have open right now. Focus on building that relationship to stay top of mind for all future positions that may be a good fit for you. Yeah, Donna, Excellent. I would, I would, well, I would just kind of say, Matt, that, that I think that that's probably one of the most valuable components of being at the convention is that face-to-face interaction, because uh, you just putting a face with a person and an agency makes future dealings with the agency so much easier and so much more comfortable and so much more personal 
that I think just going to the convention just for the career day is worth the entire trip of, of going out to Scottsdale. It just, and I'm so excited, Matt, that there's going to be 20 different agencies. That's really exciting that you're going to have that many people represented. Yeah. I'm gonna no, one of the things. Go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just no, going to no, say, we, we, we've worked really hard at that. And I think that it's really starting to catch hold with a lot of the agencies because I think the agency owners are finally realizing as well that, you know, it's providing an opportunity to meet these individuals one-on-one and what better way to see how people interact, um, how they do their socialization um, than to watch someone throughout the convention. I mean, we're there for three days. It's high impact. Um, There's a lot of stuff going on. There's, um, there's social events, uh, mixers, um, fun events. This year we're going to be doing a, a little bit of a of casino uh, casino royale, uh, you know, on that Saturday evening when we give away the awards. So, you know, it's going to be a lot of different interactions, and there's a lot of different ways for agencies to watch and perceive how people interact. So it's really important, um, you know, to to just maintain a professional attitude, but at the same time to be able to you know let your let your personality show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Couldn't agree I more. agree with that. So, you know, in, in terms of that, um, you know, Dima has been working. This is one of the goals that DJ uh, said that we need to really focus on. And I couldn't agree more, but, you know, we're trying to encourage a higher level of professional standards in the private service industry, Donna. And, you know, we've been asking all of our guests to share their thoughts on professionalism as it applies to their field. Now, in your case, obviously, it pl- it applies directly to the private service industry and mm-hmm. writing. An, uh, you know how important it is to write a professional um, a professional resume. So, can you share how you would apply a professional attitude towards your work with uh, personal touch? So, one of the things that makes us really unique in the industry. Because we're not recruiters, and because we're not principals, we're sometimes I almost feel like a counselor. So mm-hmm. our clients are able to share their frustrations with with me and my other writers. Um, especially, you know, I have one person on my staff who does private service, and she has experience in the industry too. And they can, our clients can talk to us about you know things that are driving them crazy, the questions that they would wouldn't dare ask a recruiter because they don't want to drive any doubt or things like that. Um, and anything they share with us won't impact our job search, but we can give them solid advice on how to present themselves in that best light when reaching out to the agency's employers. Uh, right. It's part of what we do as our service, that total confidentiality. Yeah. And I think, Don, if I could just interject one thing, when being at this convention experience is a great way for folks to get advice and in, in how to develop their career from other people who have worked in the industry for a long time. I think that's one of the things mm-hmm. I enjoy most is the networking and getting to meet people that have been working in private service for 25, 30, 35 years and get their, their suggestions on how I could improve going into the future. So. That's another great thing about the convention. But I wanted to ask what we've been trying to ask all of our guests about their things that they see developing as far as things that are trending in their industries. And I'd be curious to know, what do you see coming down the road? I know that a lot of resumes and a lot of uh, job applications are done over the Internet now. And I know that LinkedIn is becoming a more and more important part of uh, job search and network career building. What do you see as the things that maybe would be on the horizon with regard to um, 
resumes and and uh, job applications and that sort of thing. So definitely LinkedIn is a lot more prevalent than it used to be. So here's one thing that high net worth individuals are starting to do, and I'm hearing about it more and more often, is they're starting to sidestep the agencies. And one way they do it is sourcing people through LinkedIn. And sometimes they're successful about finding a great candidate and sometimes they're not. And so getting involved on LinkedIn is more important than ever. And when you do it, it has to be done very carefully because, again, we want to have the right presentation that shows that you're at the level of the high net worth, but providing complete confidentiality for your employers, as well as how you share the details of what you've done. So, for example, you would not, even if you say each employer is confidential in your work history, you can't describe the property to such degree that people could figure out who it is, right? Mm-hmm. So one of one of the tricks we use is in the summary of the LinkedIn profile itself. We may say areas of expertise or areas of experience, managed properties up to 30,000 square feet, uh, managed ranches up to a thousand acres and things like that. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. because it's in the summary, you can't tell which employer that was for, but it definitely demonstrates that that candidate is at that high end level. So that's one thing that's really important. Do you guys do advising on LinkedIn profiles? Yep, we sure do. We all write entire LinkedIn profiles, and even better. All of our LinkedIn profile packages include a training webinar, so I actually teach you how to use the website. And and I and I participated in that, Donna, and it's definitely a very educational and uh, worthwhile experience. I would recommend that for anyone who either has set up a LinkedIn profile or is in the you know process of doing that. So definitely check Donna out for that. Donna, we've got about three minutes, three and a half minutes here, so I'm going to need you to do this real quick. Um, if sure. people want to get in touch with you, um, can you give out your information real quickly? Sure. So my website is personaltouchcareerservices.com. Uh, I know it's long, so personaltouchcareerservices.com. My email is Donna, D-O-N-N-A, at personaltouchcareerservices.com. Our office number is 720-452-3400, and uh, we're here all the time. All right, excellent. I really appreciate that. Um, One last thing. I've got just about two and a half minutes here. Um, I did want you to go over what are your uh, four important things that you feel about DEMA as far as why people should get involved? First and foremost is that sense of community. Uh, private service can be very isolating because you're alone on the property. You don't always have other people that you can connect with and share experience. And I think that's a massively important thing that DEMA provides. Mm-hmm. Um, and along with that is the local chapters. But if there's no local chapter in your area, there's a very active group on LinkedIn. And that's, again, a great way to share not only Uh, connecting with others, but professional development because people share articles and information about trends in the industry and things along those lines. And, of course, I love going to the conventions. I do. I've spoken at all five of them, 
and I'm always impressed with the quality of the programming as well as getting to see people face to face. Awesome. Awesome job. Well, listen, that's going to bring us to uh, an end of this edition of Dima Live. Donna, as always, thank you so much for taking the time to share uh, your experiences and your information with all of our listeners. DJ, um, awesome work as always. Thank you very much for having me on the show. Um, if you have any questions regarding how you can become more involved in your local chapter of DEMA, or if you have questions about the private service industry, please feel free to contact us directly at info at domesticmanagers.com. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or have a suggestion for a potential topic or guest that you'd like us to interview, please contact us at that same email address. Uh, if you can't catch our show live on Wednesdays at noon Eastern, uh, please feel free to follow us. Um, on blogtalkradio.com and iTunes. If you subscribe, those will automatically upload to your phones. Uh, We will be back next Wednesday, August the 3rd, same time at 12 noon. Uh, Until then, I have been your host, Matthew Hack. On behalf of all my colleagues and staff and DJ Haverkamp, I'd like uh, like to thank you for allowing us to continue to serve those who serve others.